Welcome to VLGA Connect. My name is Catherine Arndt and I'm the Chief of the VLGA Connect Studio. I hope you enjoy today's Connect episode brought to you by the VLGA, the national broadcaster on all things local government. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of VLGA Connect and I'm delighted to have a special guest with me today. It's Greg Hannon who's the Manager of Network Strategy at PowerCore to talk about a new report that's just been released looking at neighbourhood batteries and very much how councils can be and are involved in this in this evolving space. Greg, welcome to the program. Hi Chris, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Thank you for agreeing to come and talk to us. Uh, this report did catch my eye. It's fairly groundbreaking in that you've worked with some councils and some, some other community groups, sustainability groups, to look at what really is an emerging issue in the sustainability space, this idea of neighbourhood batteries. Can you tell us a bit about why the report was commissioned in the first place? Yeah, sure. So about 12 months ago, the Victorian government um, launched a program called the Neighbourhood Battery Initiative. And, you know, that was a funding round to, to support feasibility studies and projects. And, you know, what we saw, and we've already seen this in before that, was really strong interest from councils and community energy groups on this topic. In, in fact, we had a dozen reach out to us saying, you know, we'd like to partner with you to do a feasibility study. And we, we took the view that given there was so much interest, we actually thought that it was you know, beneficial for the sector um, for us to lead a joined up study um, with those 12 groups. And that's effectively what we've now done. And you've got some money from the state government to, to run this study, I understand. Yeah, so we were lucky to receive $150,000 from the Victorian government through their Neighbourhood Battery Initiative program and to do this study. And we've also been lucky enough to secure funding to actually build a trial community battery in Tarnit as well. Okay, so tell us a bit about what the study actually looked at and what involved. Are these existing projects or have you looked at uh, projects in their infancy that are just ideas or, or, or is it the whole gamut? No, it was very much um, built around how to actually, um, you know, support community groups to, on how to approach the topic because, right. you, you know, energy and batteries and, and the like are not, you know, they're somewhat complex. And what we, what we saw was really strong... Um, interest from councils and, and, and communities themselves on their topics um, and a real hunger for advice and information on how best to approach. So what we have done through the report and through you know, its development and the workshops we've run along the way is really provide a framework that has now been published for um, essentially a how-to guide on how should a community group approach um, pitching their own community battery project. And al along the way, we also did consider um, uh, specific location for some of the groups as well. So is this a case of community appetite for the idea of a neighbourhood battery is outpacing the capacity of councils and community groups to actually deliver on those expectations to know where to start? Is that our premise here? I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't put it that way, but certainly what I would say is it's phenomenal interest um, from the grassroots and these organisations to go down this path. Hmm. Um, you know, largely triggered by their own renewable energy plans, um, um, greenhouse plans. And so there's a really strong hunger to be moving on that front. Um, and a lot of councils and groups have, have, have published their own plans. And so 
batteries and integrating um, renewables into local communities is already a big was already a big feature. Right. And so along came the neighbourhood battery initiative program, which has really been a help us to um, you know frame um, a, 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 how to, how to approach actually getting one of these projects going. Because as you'd appreciate, there's a there's a lot in it. It's not yeah. just something you can do in a few weeks. You know, there's a lot of thinking and planning, and um, ultimately, you know, in the end, funding that you need to pull together to actually get a project going. Well, it's new and emerging, isn't it? And it's not necessarily been part of the core of particularly councils' uh, work in the past. So I guess part of this is wanting to help people uh, avoid making the same mistakes, learn from from others, and and get a good starting point. Yeah, and we, we were already, um, you know, on our own journey with battery trials. So um, in our organisation, we're, we're partnering with some other um, community groups. The most sort of well-known on this front is probably our Energy Foundation. So we were, we're already talking to them about, you know, the community battery project that they're now built in Fitzroy North. But we're also looking at, we're actually rolling out pole-top batteries ourselves in other parts of the network. And so we, we thought we had expertise that we could bring to the table and share with some of the groups because it kind of goes back to the point where the interest was high, but the, you know, ultimately because it was emerging, the knowledge was, uh, it, you know, needed to be kind of built up with um, it, um, efficiently, you know, for a large number of stakeholders. You mentioned the Yarra Energy Foundation project. Are there, are there many others yet in existence or underway in Victoria? Well, certainly what we're seeing is um, a lot of appetite for future projects. And I know it wouldn't be any surprise that, you know, YEF probably have, you know, aspirations to go further. Um, but certainly, you know, with the dozen groups that we engage with and, and some others that we're separately talking to outside the study, we are seeing very, very strong interest in doing um, projects of this nature, I guess is what I'd say. Yes. So I understand the study came up with about 30 preferred locations for neighbourhood batteries. What sort of status does that observation and those sites have and, and, and where does that take us in terms of next steps? Yeah, so they so they, um, they are basically at the kind of what I would call idea and very early feasibility stage. But one of the, you know, requirements of the funding that we received was to actually identify a potential site. So in addition to building a framework on how to approach it, you know, ultimately what the government wanted to see, well, where, where could some potential sites be? So along the way, what we did is run a series of workshops looking at a whole range of topics about, you know, where, where best should these batteries go on the grid? Um, what do you need to think about in terms of land, community, planning, those kinds of issues? And so where we've landed is we've, we've published this guide, which we, we you know, we have some key lessons, which I'll probably talk about a bit later. Mm. But then in addition to that, we've also... Um, in anger, applied the framework along the way to come up with these very early stage feasibility sites. And, you know, the status of those, to your question, is it's now up to individual groups to, to uh, you know, pursue them further and then, um, you know, work them up into potential projects if they wish. But, they've, you know, they've got a really good starting point now. So, Greg, do you see that, that leadership coming from the community groups, from the councils or from the state government, or is there no one-size-fits-all, do you think, to how each project might take shape? Well, I think it's a combination. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, the reason, you know, we have sort of lent into this is because we see a role for, you know, batteries connected to the distribution network. So, you know, we've got a lot of technical expertise and, um, you know, we wanted to kind of share that, I guess, with the sector. Um, but I think, you know, where, where we're seeing it evolve is for this to kind of um, 
you know, really um, go to the next step, which is more funded projects and built projects would be um, a bit more of a, a program-based um, rollout. Now, now that could be driven by an individual group. It could be supported by, you know, the Victorian government in trials and even ARENA and other, other sort of funding bodies. Um, and I think that's what we're now starting to see happen. So for example, there is a new funding round for new projects that the Victorian government has put out just recently. Um, and so what we're seeing is that combined, those stakeholders you mentioned are going to drive it. So I would expect there are gonna be more projects. Um, we certainly see a role where we could potentially build battery projects. We could support others who are looking to build them and so on. So um, I, I notice, uh, I think six councils are involved in the study, Bayside, Melbourne, Hobsons Bay, Mannington, Moreland and Mornington Peninsula. Can we assume that those councils are perhaps more well advanced than others in terms of the thinking around how neighbourhood batteries might be part of the mix? Well, I certainly had the benefit of, you know, hearing um, and sitting through all the workshops. So I think, um, you know, what you can, I guess, pretty clearly infer that there's a strong interest from those councils, but there were six other community energy groups. Um, so for example, you know, Geelong Sustainability, the Apollo Bay Chamber of Commerce, Macedon Ranges Sustainability. And a lot of those groups have links into um, the council as well. And we also worked with Eastern, the Eastern Alliance for Greenhouse Action, which is a body that represents eight councils. So I think it's fair to say that there is broader council interest than you might sort of just pick from who was actually named in the study. That's good to know. So um, you talked about lessons or key insights that have come from this that people might be able to, I, I guess, avoid some pitfalls. Can you tell us about some of those that are like headline issues for you? Yeah, sure. So there were really five key insights that the report has touched on and has really come through strongly along the way. So the first one is, if you're going to do this, you've got to have a clear purpose and strategy. So you've got to, and that's only something that a council community group can, can identify. So Know your purpose, number one. Second one is, given that these are neighbourhood community batteries, you need to bring the community on the journey right up front. So um, this is new and emerging technology. Um, the sooner you engage with communities and talk to them about the, the concept, let alone a project down the track, the better off you'll be. Because what that then can translate in is to local support, local suggestions around you know, where you might want to have a battery and, and so on and so forth. The third point was that ultimately to build a battery project is going to cost money and you're going to have to justify that to somebody, um, even if you've got access to some grant funding. So if it's a council, it's going to have to have some internal approvals. If it's a network, it's no different if it's a community group. So you've got to be clear in terms of being able to identify a project and scope its costs and benefits because ultimately you'll need to present that to someone to fund. Um, the next two points really around, um, well, the next one's really about, you know, these assets are 10, at least 10 year assets, right? So they're not something you just build and walk away from. So there is a level of ownership and responsibility that comes with owning and operating and maintaining that asset. So you need to factor that in, but you could argue that councils are already doing that with similar assets, networks are doing that all the time, et cetera. So, um, but that's just a key thing that you need to have in your mind, that this is not something that you just build and walk away from. It's gonna be there for a long time. And the last point, which is really pleasing is the, the approvals process has become easier. So. You know, ultimately, when you build something, you need to go through a planning and approvals process. But we're now seeing some changes where, um, to some degree, um, it's become a little bit more efficient on that front. Where are those changes happening, Greg? Uh, well, the Victorian government has um, effectively announced that, um, and forgive me if I get the right um, phraseology, but it's through the um, planning scheme. The planning minister has said that there is some 
effectively recognition of community battery projects and that right. that has um, got its own provisions now in the planning scheme. Well, that's certainly a great facilitator in the whole uh, process because sometimes it can be a significant uh, blocker towards the end, can't it? Yeah, so, that, so, so they're the five, the five, I mean, probably you might say, well, they, they sound pretty obvious, but but they are really what comes out very strongly when you work through this. And, you know, going back onto the community, you know, obviously getting support from the community is a good thing, but, um, you know, one of the key things you you work through when you scope one of these projects is well, where should it go, right? And so there are different views as to where it might be best to go on the network because you might want to put it close to where there's existing infrastructure and connection points. But on the community side, you've got to find where is available land. You might want to put it next to, for example, a sporting pavilion, right? So there's trade-offs that um, uh, you need to factor in. So you might have a site that's perfect from a, I guess, from a business case point of view, but not so great from a community point of view. Mm. So again, you need to kind of get the balance right. And I think in the report, you've provided some templates for preparing business cases and uh, working out some of those financial elements, correct? Yeah, that's right. So we put a, a very, you know, it's a very basic template, but it's it's been published just to help frame how you might want to think about this. So as a network business, you know, we're a commercial organisation, you know, something we do every day. Um, and we recognise that some of the Groups, particularly if they're volunteer-based, this is, may not be their core, you know, business, right? So it just says, well, you know, define what the, the nature of the project is, its purpose, what are the costs, what are the benefits, what are some of the risks and so on and so forth. Um, I mean, they're pretty standard things, but but just by publishing them, you know, as, for a group that doesn't really know where to start, they've got something to work with. Greg, I know this has only been out a week or so, but what sort of a response or reaction have you had thus far from community and local government sector? Oh, look, it's been really pleasing. I mean, you know, we've been really pleased that the feedback um, we've had from the groups directly, but even more broadly, has been very positive. And, um, you know, they've, they've been appreciative of the, you know, power core sort of leaning into this and sharing our expertise. Um, so that's been that's been really pleasing. And, um, yeah, we've received some, you know, really good feedback on that front. So it's called the Powerful Neighbours Report, a guide to developing neighbourhood batteries as assets in your community. If people want to find that report or dig a bit deeper and find out more about this issue in general, Greg, where do you suggest that yeah, they go? Well, on my background here, we've got the, the front cover of the report, so we think it's a pretty neat title. Uh, you can find it on the PowerCore website. Just Google Powerful Neighbours PowerCore, you'll find it. And you'll also find some, um, some animations which sort of... Um, uh, you know, talk about it in a very um, uh, convenient way. If you want to watch, there's there's three three animations that you might want to maybe share on social media or, or share with some of your stakeholders. Great, terrific, Greg. Really appreciate your time to tell us about that. I think it's an exciting development, and I look forward to seeing you know perhaps a year, two years down the track, what might come from this more broadly across communities and across uh, local government. Thank you. No worries, Chris. Thanks for having me, and happy to come back in two years' time as well. Greg Hannon, Head of Network Strategy at PowerCore, our guest today on VLGA Connect. We'll have popped a link up for uh, for those who want to find more about the Powerful Neighbours Report. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to VLGA Connect on YouTube and podcast to keep up to date with our new episodes as they come out. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.